My name is Daisha Clay. I'm the audio librarian here at Classical 91.7. While I'm a real librarian, I have a deep, dark secret. I know very little about classical music. I grew up listening to rock. And I know something about jazz. But when it comes to classical... The thing is, I want to learn. And as it turns out, I work with people who know a lot about classical music. Every week on this show, one of my coworkers will give me a homework assignment, a piece of classical music they think I should know, and then we'll discuss it. Come learn with me in the classical classroom. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the classical classroom. I'm Daisha Clay, and today my instructor is going to be Tracy Jacobson, who is the bassoonist for the ensemble Windsync. I wouldn't go so far as to say instructor today. Yeah, no. Um, but yes, I'm I'm the bassoonist in Windsync. Uh-huh. Um, we're a chamber group, and essentially spend our lives on the road playing wind quintet concerts in exciting places. Yeah, didn't you tell me that you're only here like a day a month? It or certainly something? feels like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're um, we're on the road. Uh, I would say about half the year. Wow, so that's crazy. Really, really cool. And this is just going and playing at different different venues? I mean, are you going to, like, uh, concert halls? Are you going to clubs? Like, where are Gosh, you going? Gosh, I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, all of the above. I mean, just in the next few months, we're hitting up all of the coasts. Yeah. Um, and Wyoming, that kind of is between them. Um, we're playing in concert halls. We're playing in national parks. We're playing... That's that's gonna be really cool. Actually. National parks, like yeah. tell, tell me more about that. Like, where oh, going? we're headed to Wyoming next week, actually, um, and we're playing in the Grand Teton <gasps> National Forest. Holy crap! Um, yeah, that so is cool. awesome. Um, but you know, it's uh, it's like as awesome as a musician's job can get. Wow, getting to play all these like amazing concerts in beautiful, wonderful places. And uh, like, how long have you guys been together? Uh, we're going on our fifth season. Wow. So it's been a long time. It hasn't always been like this. Mm-hmm. You know, we started when we were in school. At where we, Rice University. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Where we toured for seven days <laughs> of the year. <laughs> wow. You've yeah. come a long way. Yeah. That's so great. And and I noticed on the website that you guys were kind of from all over the country and then just decided to plant yourselves in Houston after Rice and stick together yeah exactly Houston is such a wonderful town to try new things and to Mm -hmm. there's such an appreciation for the arts and the radio station has been incredible for us and so yeah thanks guys you guys are great (laughs) (laughs) we try um yeah yeah today we'll be talking about Debussy but you um or wait, I'm I'm already butchering the name Debussy. <laughs> I don't know. Beautiful. <laughs> I'm from Texas. Um, Debussy. <laughs> uh, and you had me listen primarily to a pianist named Pascal Roger. Or right. uh, say it, say it like you say it in it. French. <laughs> Pascal Roger. Pascal Roger. So. You assigned me a lot of uh, piano music today, and you were telling me that as a professional musician who's been through school and all of that, that you have to constantly 
educate yourself. Basically, you're, you're designing your own continued education, and you decided to challenge yourself by listening to piano music, <laughs> which apparently is not really your thing. Yeah. It's... And so th- this is what you have brought to me today. So Yeah. Well, it's basically like you said, uh, I find that after finishing school, um, when you're constantly inundated with new music and learning about everything about a composer and studying and getting to know different instrumentalists and their music. It's just part of what you do. And you don't necessarily think about when you leave what type of a void that leaves. You have to really seek out new things or you don't really come across them. So for me, piano music was never really something I was very interested in. I'm a wind player. Right. Um, I was always really fascinated by breath and how that creates a phrase and and kind of solo instruments. Um, mm-hmm. And the piano was always an accompaniment instrument for me mm-hmm. in the way I conceptualized the instrument. And um, But, you know, many people feel very differently than that <laughs> and many smart people that I respect. So... I decided that I wanted to learn more Mm -hmm. about this music, and um, actually this has been an excellent excuse for me to really delve into Debussy's world. So I guess we'll start with an early work. Okay. It's, It's one of his earliest works, and he, by the end of his career, was saying he didn't even really like it that much anymore. Um, But this is the Claire de Lune, very famous piece from Mm -hmm. the Suite Bergamasque. Um, Let's let's listen to it. Okay. So instantly recognizable. researching this piece beyond just, you know, listening to it. Mm -hmm. The thing that was most interesting to me in learning about Debussy and his inspiration for music Mm -hmm. was that, you know, the title, Claire de Lune, or Moonlight, isn't actually referring to Moonlight. I mean, it is, indirectly. Um, But it's the title of a work by Paul Verlaine, and he's actually referencing another work entirely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of the the big thing that got me to appreciate WC, mm-hmm. um, because he he's a musician and a composer of a different species. He isn't writing exciting storytelling music. Um, he's really painting a picture with the music. That and is exactly what I wrote in in my notes that it it. Like, listening to this music was sort of like listening to a painting. Yeah. In a way. And uh, Debussy would have been very happy to hear that. But <laughs> <laughs> um, well, b- Before you continue talking about the piece, talk a little bit about him as a person. When, when did he live? Uh, where did he live? Etc. Yeah. Well, you know, he's a Parisian to the core. Mm. Um, and really lived, like, that typical bohemian lifestyle. 
that you imagine. Um, and surrounded by, well, surrounded by Impressionism, mm -hmm. although he also wouldn't want to be labeled that way. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the parallel literary movement, symbolism. Mm -hmm. um, and it's interesting, um, over the course of his life, his style changed a lot. He was always, you know, in his studies, trying to be a rebel. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, because this was not the style of the day. He pioneered new harmonies, and it's really, um, he had a different concept of music. And actually, I think when I was a student and we were in music history class, we'd identify composers based on like a selection that was played for us. Um, and the way I would recognize Debussy, this is so embarrassing, <laughs> I would recognize Debussy was, is it the most boring piece of music I've ever heard? Because, <laughs> um, you know, the French music, Debussy, Ravel, it can sound very similar, mm -hmm. um, but to me, Debussy was just always a little more boring. Um, but that's exact. Boring is the wrong word. It's it's less of a story. It's less it's less in your face. Mm -hmm. It's just it's. Well, you have to be kind of mature to to appreciate it. It kind of is what it is. <laughs> you know, it seems very. Um, un I don't know if you can actually say this about French piano music, but it seems very unpretentious, you know? <laughs> it's, I, I mean, I immediately just sort of warm to it because it's so, I don't know, it's kind of inviting yeah. in a way. I think you can really say that about Roger's playing. Dude can play. Yeah. Yeah. Each, each note is like a bell, mm. and it's just a like chorus of bells that mm -hmm. work together beautifully. It's not... He doesn't try and make a line where there isn't one. Yeah. Um, and it's just, oh, so beautiful. It's good stuff. That was Claire de Lune. What uh, and that was that was um, a sort of sampling of his his earliest work. Yeah, it's I mean it's beautiful, it's melodic. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's easy listening, but it's easy listening. It's easy to listen. It's to. easy to listen to. Yeah, that's better. Yeah, this I I mean I think if I heard it in an elevator, I would actually be moved. <laughs> 
you know. Right. But not it's, it's just not, by the elevator. That it's it's substantial work. music. Yeah. But it's it's just you know, it's not difficult to listen to at all. Mm-hmm. Um, in music, we talk about like consonance and dissonance. Mm-hmm. Consonance is when the notes sound like they go together. Mm-hmm. Dissonance is the opposite when it's they kind of rub against each other. Yeah. And um, moving forward, you know, let's go. 20 years forward in Debussy's life okay, um, to the preludes. And he starts incorporating more and more dissonance in his music. Subtly. It doesn't sound dissonant. But if you think about, we can talk about, you know, Impressionism, like the famous Monet. When you look at the painting from far away, you, you see a beautiful picture, but up close there's a lot of discord Right. And you can kind of look at this next selection as involving kind of that mm-hmm. and and bigger washes of ideas um, rather than kind of more of a melody line. Right from the beginning, he's using a different harmonic language. It's more, you probably hear it as being more jazzy. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting that you said that. You told me in uh, your instructions before our lesson today to pay attention to the titles of the songs. So, Dancers of Delphi. So, <laughs> interesting title. This particular movement was actually, um, I guess, the general accepted interpretation is it was actually written after a sculpture of a um, female, I guess, Delphic dancer in the Louvre that Debussy had seen. Okay. And if you listen to it, it doesn't necessarily read as like a light female dancer. Mm But if you think of it as like a female dancer column, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know it's grounded, yeah, and but still, she's moving gracefully, you know. Uh-huh. I think that's the lightness of the touch uh, on the keys. I don't know. Piano is not somewhere I'm really trained, but just based on what I hear. Have you ever played any piano? I mean, like. Oh. Like, okay. <laughs> um, in school, they have you do four semesters. What's another uh, movement in the preludes? Preludes? Well, <laughs> that um, we could hear. Let's go for um, uh, Des Pas sur la Neige. Oh, Footsteps in the Snow. I yeah, like that one. I love this. It's so. I mean, speaking about an image that just sticks with you. But it reminded me this whole thing because because I was paying close attention to the the titles. 
it reminded me there's this um there's this recording uh called american haikus where um jack kerouac is reading haikus and uh, zoot sims and alcone these um, jazz saxophone guys are playing basically the music interpretation of every haiku that that he says and there's one that um that's about like his his cat stepping in the snow or something like that yeah and like i immediately thought of that in the morning frost the cats step slowly and it, it's very much it's very similar actually to all of these pieces because their names are so they so are the music really i don't know there's a correlation between the music and the names oh yeah very definitely. very much so the thing about this particular movement that struck me is when you listen to it you're not listening to like a person or something stepping in the snow mm-hmm. you're actually listening to the footprints you know it's like it's it's so static but in that stasis it's so charged Uh you know it's really incredible that's a really interesting observation that it's static i mean it's just sort of focused on that one thing that one moment like a painting exactly yeah exactly and also um Reminded me a little bit of some uh, Thelonious Monk that I've heard. Yeah. yeah. Debussy is, um, I mean, what you know, we study in school is that he's kind of the father, grandfather of jazz. Really? Yeah. Tell me more about that. That's pretty cool. I really like jazz. Yeah. Well, you know, the harmonies and, and the way that he conceptualized harmony are the origins of what became jazz harmony. Um, and everyone gave him a hard time about it. You know. <laughs> like you're the one who school, started like, this what mess. What are you doing with this strange music? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's he used it because well, he was trying to, I guess, show beauty in discord. Hmm. Um, and I think that has, also has to do kind of with the historical context. Um, I'm going to listen to one more prelude. I think they're all just so fantastic. Um, they really are. <laughs> but I want to listen to La Cathédrale. Oh, I can't read my writing. <laughs> Which means... <laughs> Let's take that one out. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's totally staying in. <laughs> no. I actually can't see what I wrote. Um, the Submerged Cathedral. Yeah. Which is a very cool title, by the way. Yeah. It's not showing a cathedral, it's actually showing the reflection. Hmm. 
And when you think about the paintings of that period, water was a big theme. Right. Um, particularly of Monet. Mm -hmm. The lilies. Yeah. 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 And there's actually, um, Monet had a painting that was a cathedral reflection. Um, but if you oh, listen... Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember exactly the title of the piece. Mm -hmm. Like, you can just see it when, mm -hmm. you're, when you're listening. And I was just actually in France, and I went to one of the more famous cathedrals at the Mont Saint-Michel. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like right on the English Channel, actually. And it was so cold, and there were like little bits of snow everywhere. But it was really almost too cold to snow. And there's water all around. It's kind of on an island. Mm -hmm. And it just, it reminded me of this so exactly. <laughs> it's just, it's amazing that he could capture an image so well. There's a really great Debussy quote, actually. I wrote it down. He said, there's more to be gained by watching the sun rise than listening to the pastoral symphony. That's referencing, you know, <laughs> the most famous piece by Beethoven. <laughs> um, and you get from him, like, he's, he's just trying new things, you know. He's, he's trying to branch out from the musical tradition, which really was about the music, you know. It wasn't about other art forms and art in general. It was really just about the music. So he was really into connecting music and art, it seems. Oh, definitely. Like that, that um, it, it's almost as if it's a reflection of a reflection. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. It's his reflection upon someone else's reflection. Exactly. You know? And I mean, add three or four more reflections and mm. <laughs> that's, that's probably what he was going for. Yeah, that which is really cool. I mean, it's such a great idea because I mean I've been to a mu you know museums or to um, you know to listen to music many times and you just you know you're so sort of emotionally moved and then to you know take that emotion and turn it into this lovely music like that, what a great you know conceptual thing to do. I, I mean that's that's fantastic. Yeah, I mean. He's a, he's a philosopher, you know, like, he's talking, no, he's not talking, he's writing about reason and versus feelings, you know, yeah. and he's writing about uncertainty mm -hmm. and, like, finding order in uncertainty. Huh. And this is so what's going on in the world, you know, and he just brought it to a musical level. Yeah. And I think that was kind of his goal is he wanted to be thought of on that level you know he was so I guess so French <laughs> that um, he was all about I guess this this aesthetic mm. of using the piano to create a picture to explore these ideas his Wagner was happening at exactly the same time really yeah I know, it's just, it's so crazy. And Debussy actually had listened to a lot of Wagner and a lot of his music made references to it in some smaller ways. Hmm. Um, but by the end of his life, he, like most of France, I'd say all of France, was very anti-German. 
Um, so that that brings us very well into our last piece. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you think about, I don't know if you know anything about like the German romanticism, like a Viking lady hat and like <laughs> yeah. really sustained lines and <laughs> right. all that. Um, I mean, Wagner is much more than that. Don't get me wrong. Um, but that type of aesthetic, mm. uh, being big and being kind of organized and mm. and sweeping epic. and yeah. epic. Epic is a great word. Debussy, particularly at the end of his life, wanted nothing to do with that. He felt mm. that it was um, it was really important for us to get back to the French aesthetic <laughs> of kind of the simplicity and beauty. Of, mm. of that. So um, I had you listen to the elegy. Mm-hmm. I think you'll hear, even in contrast to the preludes, it's, um, well, it's even more dissonant. Hmm. Um, you'll hear kind of even more uncertainty. Um, but the interesting thing, I think, is um, to find where the moments of clarity and light are in it. Um, and I, I don't know if you had that experience when you were listening to it, and, um, but most har- harmonically it's much more complicated. But I think emotionally it speaks even stronger. dissonant that's crazy and now here's the really interesting thing if you go back and listen to some of his early works right now just flash to it Mm -hmm. and it's so simple wow what a contrast right but I bet when you first listened to this, it didn't necessarily seem so melodic. <laughs> so cool though, right? It's <laughs> such a contrast. You know, it reminds me of, a, of, a, of different painters that, you know, I've seen the progression of their work, like um, Mark Rothko. I mean, his early stuff is so detailed and more realistic and then you see his planar paintings at the end of his life everything is just this sort of blur yeah Uh. you know it's interesting for me to be listening to this type of music because as I mentioned it's like never been something that I've cared about Mm -hmm. never something that's been on my radar and I think it's a it's been a great lesson for me because you know sometimes I probably listened to this stuff when I was like 14. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, how could a 14-year-old appreciate that? But I always had this, like, this mental block, mm-hmm. you know, I put forth, I don't like Debussy. And then I, like, <laughs> labeled that in my mind. And I was, it was just that I wasn't, I didn't like it at that time. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it in that moment. But all you need is kind of something to break that down. It's true. To develop a whole new appreciation for something. That happened to me with Justin Timberlake. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't that happen to all of us with Justin Timberlake? <laughs> it kind of did. It's like, what happened? <laughs> so this last piece that I want us to talk about, I actually, 
um, it's it was my gateway into this. Is a gateway drug? <laughs> Watch out, kids. <laughs> um, but it was actually like this incredible experience for me because it was only about a month ago. Mm. I was on one of my rare vacations. And um, I was up in New England, and it was during a heat wave. So it was just, like, ridiculously hot. No air conditioning. And we had, like, a bottle of wine, like a cold rosé. Mm-hmm. And there was no fan either. So it was just, like, like sticky and heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, and some cheese. And then um, this next piece, La Plus Quillante, just came on. And it all of a sudden just, like, spoke to me. So um, I think I'll probably always imagine it that way. Um, but being hot and drunk and eating cheese. But I think that's really what this <laughs> particular piece is about. It's, you know, the title, like, more than slow. It's, oh, yeah. okay. That's, that's cool. I didn't know that's what that meant. Um, and it, it's kind of a joke, you mm. know. And it was probably one of Debussy's most popular pieces. It's very accessible. Um, but it's, it's like about that, you know, I could just see Debussy in Paris with his cronies and like, it's very hot, Mm -hmm. you know, drinking a rosé, eating Mm -hmm. cheese and talking about (laughs) philosophy or something. (laughs) Talking about how Wagner sucks. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, just kind of as a little fun game, um, we have two recordings of this and now we've been listening to Pascal Roger. Um, for the whole podcast. Um, and I've slipped in another recording. And I guess we'll play a little bit of both of them. Okay. And let's see if you can tell the difference just based on listening to the style of, you know, the pianist that we've already heard and see if you identify a new style or if it sounds the same. Okay. This is a pop quiz. Pop quiz. This one is definitely Roger. Yeah. Wow. It's like I thought the other one was smooth until I started <laughs> hearing this one. Right? Yeah. So the other one with was Arthur Rubinstein? Right, right. Okay. And he's a great pianist, you know. Yeah. He's wonderful. Yeah. But I think Roger just has this really unique understanding of Debussy's music. I have a, a question that just popped into my head. Um, so we're listening to all of these... You know, preludes, uh, preludes, I can't say that word for some reason, <laughs> and um, individual pieces. Did uh, Debussy ever write like a symphony or oh, yeah. anything We're like that? We're only okay. talking about his piano music. Oh. Debussy has a whole wealth of other music. What? Yeah. You know, like a saxophone sonata, <gasps> and he wrote orchestral music. I don't know. He has an opera. Okay. Um, and it's all great stuff, you know. Um, and actually, it's not that I, before this month, didn't listen to Debussy. It was that I didn't listen to his piano music. To the music. piano music. Okay, gotcha. Because when you add in wind instruments, it becomes, at least for me, more accessible to mm-hmm. me. 
Um, but it was the piano music that I didn't get. Yeah. And, you know, no experts still. But, like, how can you not love this? It's, you know? it's really great. How do you think now that you've, you know, you've finally gotten into this piano music that you once hated, <laughs> you know, <laughs> not like how, so long ago? <laughs> how do you think that this is going to um, like inform your playing as as a bassoonist? Well, I think it certainly will inform what a the need for other instruments and other types of music hmm. because so little of this is is applicable at all to the bassoon mm -hmm. um, i can always try and emulate some of the colors um but you know that's probably why i didn't like it that much initially mm -hmm. because i was listening to this type of music to make my bassoon playing better right <laughs> <laughs> to see what i could take away from it that way Mm -hmm. And I think the moral of the story is you kind of can't. Mm -hmm. Certainly not in any sort of meaningful or successful way. You know. Yeah. So I think that's, and that's probably why I was so frustrated in conservatory too. Mm -hmm. Because I was really trying to just get really good at the bassoon. Um, yeah. And you, know, you didn't have room for this no, kind of music no, yet in, in your in your musical brain, you know. No, not I at imagine. all. Um, but now I do. Yeah. And now that I have room for it, I'm like, come on in. <laughs> come on to. <laughs> <laughs> well, this really has been an awesome lesson, and I think I may we'll call in it fact, a discovery together. A discovery I, I together. I hardly consider myself a teacher in this. You taught me so much today. This is, and you definitely turned me on to some music that I am going to go after we finish talking and burn onto a CD so that I can take it into my car and listen to it. If you turn it up really, really mm -hmm. high, and you listen to this stuff in the car, it's great. <laughs> and it maybe it will keep me from yelling at other drivers. <laughs> Very, driving. Yeah, it's very calming. <laughs> See beautiful impressionist pictures. Yeah. It's funny because the music makes you even speak in like a museum voice. Oh my god, you know? you're right. Yeah. It totally does make you speak in a, a museum voice. <laughs> Like, I just wanted to speak I softly. I noticed that too. I was actually getting kind of afraid mid conversation that uh, we wouldn't, our levels wouldn't be right. high enough because we're, we're talking like this. Because because <laughs> you're going through an exhibit, you know. Yeah. Like it's very, it's very strange to be like you know walking through a, like you just imagine yourself in like a fancy exhibit and like screaming about not screaming but speaking <laughs> at full voice or this painting saying is so something great. like really uneducated or something. It just makes you feel really self conscious. Uh -huh. Well, Tracy, this really has been fun, and um, I hope you come back again. And maybe I'll talk about what I actually know next time. <laughs> I liked you talking about what you didn't know. It made me feel less um, like a dumbass. <laughs>
<laughs> Everybody, thanks for tuning into the Classical Classroom. Um, if you have any questions that you would like uh, addressed in one of our episodes, please send me an email at dclay at classical917.org. Thanks a lot for listening, and we will catch you next time.